0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right. Uh, just off a, uh, interesting press conference with, uh, Premier Doug Ford and, uh, talking about the new clinic opening up at First Ontario Center on Monday. Good news there. And of course, on uh, Ontario.ca slash vaccine to find out more information on how you can, uh, get your shot. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we've talked many times how this is going to affect life before and after the pandemic. Uh, and specifically the grocery store. We've, we've seen grocery stores do quite well in all of this, as more people are staying home, not eating out, obviously, and, of course, experimenting with more, uh, uh, I guess, at home with food. Uh, but how will that change when we go back after this is all over? Uh, let's bring in uh, Dr. Sylvain uh, Charlebois, Professor of Food Distribution and Policy and the Director of the Agri-Food Analyst Lab at dalhousie university with us now doctor thank you for the time i hope you're well
1: i am how about you
0: i'm doing good thank you you know we've talked at length on this show about you know all the the ways we've had to pivot what we've had to do and be nimble and all those great buzzwords during a global pandemic but then some of this may stay so what are we expecting will we see changes in our grocery store moving forward or at least how we shop
1: um i mean things are already different uh and i'm not talking about the um the PPEs and the plexiglass and all that stuff, uh, it will probably be there for a while, but, uh, and frankly, I think some of us don't, don't really see them anymore. We're, <laughs> we're getting used to them, but they will eventually disappear. Uh, what, uh, what I think is, is likely to happen over the next little while is that you may, you may see, uh, stores shrink <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and I'm saying that the big box stores, I think, aren't necessarily going to be built again. Uh, Walmart just announced this week that it was closing six stores, uh, building a distribution center, essentially because we're buying more stuff online. And, uh, and, and Walmart's bet is that we'll continue to do so. And I, I agree with Walmart, I think, and numbers are there. It's pretty solid. People actually are enjoying uh, getting their stuff delivered to their homes or uh, the, the curbside pickup option is really, really popular uh, in food service as well. Restaurants are seeing more business online. So that, that, that way, that, that, that direction is really continuing, I think, for the next little while
0: so is this a case of more people are shopping online so there just will be less bricks and mortar anyway or is this a change or a change in mindset of the big-box store you know because basically you're saying we're gonna see less of these perhaps
1: yeah I I don't think that this that the market is over stored but I actually do believe that uh, that the kind of store we'll see will change so I I do expect some stores to to be converted into pick stores to support an e-commerce platform, or you may actually see uh, some stores being converted into discount stores. Discounting is going to be really, really uh, aggressive. Uh, We're seeing it with Sobeys, with Loblaws. They're they're already converting a lot of stores out west um, in, in the prairies and in B.C., also, of course, uh, like I said, you have e-commerce. And, and finally, I mean, the other thing that is also going on right now is this whole issue of, of national brands. Uh, CPG companies are, are basically being told right now, well, we're not going to carry as many um, different flavors, different types of products we're going to actually give more space to our own private labels. Uh that's what grocers are basically planning. So I do expect to see more private labeled products, fewer SKUs, uh fewer choices as you walk into a grocery store, but guess what? I mean, COVID's legacy is about democratizing the entire supply chain. Uh if you actually take some time to go online, the the number of options that you have now is incredible compared to 12 months ago you have all sorts of vendors trying to establish a relationship with all of us consumers uh, to sell all sorts of food products fish and seafood uh, vegetables i mean you name it there's a lot of business to consumer business online more so than ever
0: you know, it's interesting. I never really understood the the value of big box centers or big box stores where they're just far enough apart that you can't walk to them but it's just a lot of work. You know, Oh it's it's like it's like we moved backwards when it came to all of this for some reason. <laughs> uh, no, I really yeah. think that. I mean, you know, we once had, you know, uh, the main street stores, then there was the covered mall, then the giant covered mall, and, and now we're I don't know where we went with the big box stores. Um but you've said in this article that supermarkets are rethinking their storefronts. What does that mean?
1: Well, I think it means that uh, essentially, I mean, it's, it's the attraction, right? It's it's why why are we getting foot traffic? Before, like 10 years ago, it was all about foot traffic. In fact, when they were uh, when grocers were were coming out with uh, with their with their financial results, they were t- also they were always talking about foot traffic. They're not talking about that anymore. I mean, they're talking about e-commerce now because uh, it doesn't matter as much. And what really it changed in 2017 when Amazon bought Whole Foods. All of a sudden, it was a bit of a wake-up call, and uh, and so grocers basically started to look into e-commerce. But it's it's really with with COVID um, that we've seen this huge commitment uh, towards e-commerce. We're expecting grocers to spend almost 12 billion dollars over the next five years in e-commerce, and so it's it's no coincidence that Sobe's um, bought Longos this week. I mean, that's certainly the reason why. And for independent grocers, it's becoming more difficult. So there's there's consolidation in the marketplace. Uh, There are fewer players. Uh, We expect to see, again, fewer players, because Canada's a tough market, especially Ontario. Ontario is a really tough market to penetrate. And so uh, the battleground, in my mind, the biggest battleground is in the GTA.
0: And this isn't happening because the grocery stores aren't doing well. We're seeing lots of of companies pivot because they've lost sales, lost this. I mean, grocery stores have been doing quite well through all of this. So it's not because uh, of a lack of sales.
1: Well, this is how I see it. So before COVID, all of us, we were spending about 35% of our food budget on food uh, consumed at the restaurant. About 35%. So it's yeah. 35 65. That went down to 991 a year ago. Okay, a year ago we were in the middle of this you know panic buying phase there. Uh yeah. it, now it's up to about 24 uh 76. That's that's where we're at right now. Are we going to get back to 35? Uh Anytime soon, I don't think so. This is To me, that ratio is so important because it, it really tells us two things. One, uh, how Canadians are spending their money because every dollar you spend at a grocery store is just not the same dollar you spend outside uh, at a restaurant. Uh, you have to pay about $0.40, 40 cents more, 40% more. Um, to get the same volume of food as if you were actually going to the grocery store. So there's, yeah. there's that ratio. You're, you pay a premium if you don't process your own food at home. And secondly, it's lifestyle. I mean, you're if you're out and about, you're spending, you're a different, you're different, I guess, component to the economy, I guess. You're, you'll be spending very differently, and your relationship with food is also going to change as well. But I think the last 12 months have been violent and, frankly, painful for a lot of people. And uh, I suspect that uh, staying at home, staying close to the kitchen, uh, it will be the reality for a lot of people for a while. We're better tool. We're more food literate. We know more recipes. Uh, we've learned how to cook hmm. with rabbit, duck, whatever. And it really has helped. Uh, instead of just going out to the restaurant and eat the duck or the salmon, we can now prepare at home.
0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. So, uh, how will this affect prices? Because again, if grocery stores are making lots of money now, why would we see prices rise? Or will we uh, see these rise once we get back to some sort of sense of normal and the restaurants start opening again? Because then, obviously, you're going to see the money be spent there as opposed to the, the the grocery stores. But why are we seeing food rise, prices rise if to, if uh, if they're making if they're making money?
1: Yeah, I, well, first of all, I don't think grocers will go through 2021 the way uh, that 2020 happened. I don't think they're going to get yeah. free money from food service. The pie, the food pie shrank this year, like in Canada. People are spending less money on food, bottom line, because we're going out less. Um, and I don't think it's, we're going we're to get back to where we were uh, in March of 2020 uh, anytime soon. That being said, uh, you ask a very important question, uh, and I think uh, macroeconomics are at play here. We're actually uh, seeing signs of a new super cycle, uh, which means that investors are actually uh, trying to uh, get away from a lower inflation rate, and they're, they're taking more risk. And when you do that, you'll bid on things like Bitcoin and, yes, ag commodities. Wheat, barley, canola, livestock, uh, pork, cattle. I mean, all. If you go uh, online and look at the, the futures of all of these commodities, they're all up, way up. The last time it happened was in two thousand and eight, and you probably remember what happened in two thousand and eight. The barrel of oil was at one hundred and forty-seven dollars hmm. U.S. That was the last super cycle. So we're because of that, we farmers will do well. But eventually, we'll have to pay for that.
0: Will, are we? Are you concerned about supply shortages? It was interesting. I was talking to uh, someone of, in all places, uh, Prague, Czech Republic, and they were studying Internet activity and, and what Canadians were searching and such. And, and obviously, in these m- most recent weeks, uh, people are searching information on vaccines and where they can get them. But just for fun, we asked them what Canadians were searching for a year ago, and toilet paper came up. Uh, so so that's how much of an impact that whole craze made. are, are, are we, we going to see supply shortages? Hmm? Don't tell me we're unique in the world. Was, are <laughs> well, we? I'm, sh- I'm sure it happened all over but oh but you, are we gonna are we gonna head to another uh, period of, of supply shortage?
1: No no. Uh, uh, last week we actually released a, a report on on consumer confidence. Uh, a year in uh, 12 months after the start of the pandemic, Canadians are generally uh very trusting of the food supply chain. They they trust the food supply chain. Uh but here's the confidence paradox. Um mm, almost 48% of Canadians actually think that if we are to go through some sort of panic phase again, uh they believe that their neighbors, fellow Canadians would actually stockpile again. So so you, you, you just understood what I just said. People are trusting, they trust the food supply chain, they trust the food industry, but they don't trust themselves.
0: That's interesting. <laughs> uh, and we still can't figure out why toilet paper was the mad rush a year ago.
1: We're, we're a sovereign country. We have all the toilet paper we need. We There's need- lots
0: of trees here.
1: I know. I know. Lots of pine trees, too, if you're desperate. <laughs> 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 I, just, so, I, I just don't get that one. I, I, and frankly, so I, I was looking at Nielsen IQ numbers this morning on toilet paper sales. They were up 19% in 2020, early 2021. 19, where's all that toilet paper?
0: So, you know, you bring up a valid point, and then the same thing with, uh, w- with food stores. Uh, it will be a gradual shift to get out of this. It's not going to be like flipping a switch or opening up a barn door, I don't think. But there are some industries, some segments of industries that have done well uh, as a result of this. What happens to them once this uh, weird demand uh, tapers off?
1: Well, I, I think the entire food industry will recalibrate. The other thing we haven't talked about is telecommuting. I mean, yeah. we do believe that more people will actually be working from home after the pandemic.
0: When and what we, does that mean to the f- what does that mean to the food industry?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at the numbers coming out of Toronto, Vancouver, even here in Halifax, we're seeing people leaving the peninsula to li- because your address doesn't mean as much as before the pandemic. You can work from anywhere because we we've, we've realized that technologies do work. Now, not on a full-time basis, but right now what we're hearing are employers looking at the 3 uh three, two model, you know, the flexible hours, uh you go you come in a half half a week and then you stay home half a week. There's some people talking about a four-day uh work week. I mean, there's lots of and as soon as that happens, and I think it will happen, uh, if you're closer to your own kitchen, you're going to be a different consumer. So think about all the restaurants downtowns, all the mm. grocery stores downtowns. I mean, there's going to be a lot of recalibration going on.
0: And the thing is, is how does the industry gauge how long those trends last?
1: Oh, it's not easy. Uh, and of course, uh, the grocery business... Uh, a lot of people think it's it's all about food distribution. Well, it, actually, yes, but a big part of it is real estate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so
1: right now, if you go to Loblaws, you go to Sobe's, you go to Metro, uh, but Walmart committed this week. Uh, they, they were clear with, with, their, with, uh, with, with their intent. It, it, they're they're, they're, they're going to be looking at locations. They're going to be looking at foot traffic. They're going to be looking at their e-commerce platform. Um, it's in the GTA with with uh, with Longo's acquisition. They have 36 stores. Are they all going to remain open? Probably, but I suspect that some SoBe store will have to be repurposed or closed or moved. Or yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes because the marketplace is going to be completely different.
0: So you talked about how uh, I think there were six stores in Canada, Walmart stores, that were going to close, and then they were going to uh, readjust, uh, refocus those energies to other stores and such. Is that directly due to online? So they anticipate with online they will not need those six locations? Uh,
1: That's part of it. Uh, Now, Walmart is committed to to food. Uh, They actually uh, said, actually a few years ago, that they, they won't open a new store unless half of the store is dedicated to food retailing. Mm. Those are super centers. And uh, I, I didn't check, but I suspect that some of the stores that they're closing, they're not super centers. Walmart has uh, always said that it wants to become the number one grocer in Canada, as it is in the United States. Wow. Uh, they have a long way to go because they sell for about $16 billion worth of food. Loblaws is at, is at 51, so they have a long way to go. But Walmart uh, should never be underestimated. <laughs>
0: Good point. Uh, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois with us, Professor of Food Distribution and Policy and the Director of the uh, uh, Agri-Food Analytics Lab at the Dalhousie University. Doctor, thanks so much for the time and insight. Fascinating stuff. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.